Okay, happy Easter. We are back again this week on actual Easter, so I hope that everyone is having a wonderful day. I hope that you enjoyed the live stream this morning and, and that you were able to uh, spend time with your family either through FaceTime, through Zoom, or, or in person, however that worked for you. Uh, I am continuing with the Hope Rising series, and so if you were here last week, you know that we started with the resurrection. We started uh, with with the story of, of how Jesus came back from the dead, how we started with that moment, that hopeful moment, and, and how important it was, and how he appeared, not in the middle of a crowd, not in the middle of the Roman Senate, not in the middle of, of anywhere, but to two women, two women who by those standards, we're basically told you could never be a witness. You couldn't say anything about anything because we don't believe you. You had to have uh, multiple men accounts to back them up or it didn't count. And yet, it wasn't a fictional story. It wasn't something that mattered to him. All that mattered to him was that those two women needed to hear him right then, needed to feel him right then. And then he went from there to talk to the disciples. He went from there to teach them how to teach others, which is so important. This week, we are going to go back a step. We're going to put that into context by talking about the crucifixion, by, by speaking about the message this week, which is unbreakable. Because even though he was bent, even though he was hurt, even though he was beaten, even though people hated him, even though people spit on him, even though people mocked him. He was never broken. And, and as Christians, we are going to be bent. We are going to be hurt. We are going to be messed up in a lot of different ways. But as long as we trust in him, we will not be broken. We will not lose him ever, no matter what. And so I'm going to read from Luke chapter 23, verses 26 through 46. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not yet borne a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Uh, when, when we read that, when we see that, at first it can sound kind of cruel to some people, but he is not being cruel. He is not being mean. He is not being angry at the women who are following him, feeling grief. He is telling them what is going to happen. He is helping them to see that not everything is going to be good, that things are going to hurt. In their tears, he is saying, I know that this hurts, but it's probably going to hurt more later, but keep believing, keep following. And he's saying that because he knows his time on earth is short. He knows that his time with the people that he loved, with God's creation, is short before he will have to go and make a place for us in heaven. And so as he's on the way to the cross... And this is going to be a theme throughout this week. His thoughts are not on what is about to happen to him, but on what is about to happen to others, on how they can find healing, on how they can find help, on, on how they can find love, on how they can find relationship, on the, how they can find the next step, on how they can find the way to go forward. And, and so that is what we start with there. I'm going to go on to the next verse, which is, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Uh, before I go on, I want to go back just a little bit to what I just read about Simon carrying the cross. Um, if 
you've probably seen or heard of The Passion of the Christ, which is a, a wonderful movie uh, that, that shows from John's account of the crucifixion, of the story, and, and all of that. You've probably seen it on different shows. You've definitely heard it talked about. There are different accounts because the disciples wrote about it, because people have written about it, preached about it, spoken about it, uh, done everything about it for, for centuries, for, for millennia, because it is such an important moment. And we don't know much about Simon. We know that he's a guy who was there and he was willing to carry the cross. And so people might be like, well, what, Jesus was tired? Like, what's going on? If you don't know much about this story past what you hear on Easter Sunday, past what you hear on Palm Sunday, uh, before this moment, it wasn't just like they were like, hey, you know what? We're going to call you guilty and we are going to take you and hang you on the cross and you're going to die. He was beaten almost to death. He was beaten with a, a cat of nine tails, which is basically like a lead-lined whip that had little spikes in it that when it went into his back would pull out flesh and bone with it. Uh, and he was hit with that 40, 50 times over and over and over again because, not because he was guilty, but because people did not like who he was. They did not like how he made them feel. Because by his life, by his love, by the way that he showed others the value in them, by just shining that spotlight on what is bad in the world, people that were living wrong, people that didn't want to change, people that didn't care about other people were like, well, this sucks. This guy over here is making us look bad because he's amazing, because he's loving, because even as we're whipping him, even as we're hating him, even as we're making fun of him, even as we're about to kill him, he's still loving. And this sucks because we wouldn't be able to do this. And so they're beating it. And basically by doing that, they're beating what they don't like about themselves. And he was almost killed. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Uh, they made fun of him. They mocked him. They put him in front of the crowd and, and had, hey, do you want this murderer Barabbas or do you want Jesus who says he's the king of the Jews? And the people chose Barabbas because everyone was scared of what Jesus meant, because everyone was scared that what he was saying was true, because people had heard his message, because people knew who he was, because people saw his relationship, saw his love, saw his hope, saw his miracles, saw all of that, and it scared them. Now, a lot of people saw it, and they're like, wow, this is what I want in my life, and that's what we do today. That's why we are here on Easter Sunday. That's why you're here in this church. Not physically, you're at home, in your home, but that is why we do this. That is why you're watching this live stream because this video because we know Jesus is who he said he was we have felt his power we have felt his love and most of the people that were beating him hating him making fun of him they felt it too but instead of letting it change them like we talked about last week with the Pharisees instead of that they were scared and they were clinging to what they wanted they were clinging to their own ideas they were clinging to who they were before they did not want anything to change them and so I'm going to continue Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with those words, this is the king of the Jews. So, as people are, are gambling for his clothes, after they had beaten him almost to death, after they had chosen a murderer over him, after they had made him walk out with the cross to, to where he was going to die with other criminals who were actually guilty, after they, they were there saying all these awful things about him, saying they hated him, they didn't believe him, after he was betrayed by one of his best friends, after he was doubted by, by another who, where Peter denied him three times, after all of this was happening, he was there and he said, Father, forgive them, 
They don't know what they're doing. He didn't say, Father, strike them down. He didn't say, everyone here is going to die. He didn't say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone, and I'm going to make you all pay. He said, Father, forgive them. In our lives, we face tremendous troubles at times. Uh, Maybe it's financial trouble. Maybe it's job trouble. Maybe it's a relationship, home, uh, whatever. We, We face different things where we're hurt, where people make fun of us, where people bully us, where people uh, torment us, where people uh, just do all kinds of awful things, steal from us. All of those things can happen at different points in your life. And it's so easy to become that victim. It's so easy to say, you know what? It's me against the world now. It's, I'm going to do what Tupac said, and it's me against the world. It's me living how I want to live, and everybody else is the enemy. It's all about that. And that's how we feel sometimes. When someone hurts us, when someone betrays us, when someone doubts us, when someone says bad things about us, spreads rumors, when someone forgets to record the audio, we have all of these different things in our lives that that we're like, man, this is the worst thing that's ever happened because it happened to me, and so I'm going to get revenge, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or they don't understand me, they don't know me, they can't see me, like whatever it is, we feel that way. Because when we're hurt, we're hurt. When we're breaking, when we're bent, when people are making fun of us, when people are bullying us, it it hurts. And and I don't want to diminish trauma, I don't want to diminish things like that, uh, pains in the past, because... People shouldn't do that to you. We shouldn't have to feel that way. But we cannot let those moments change who we are. Now, that doesn't mean that that we go and we treat, if someone does something awful to you, if someone steals from you, if someone hurts you in some way, if someone abuses you, it doesn't mean that you're like, you know what, I'm going to turn the other cheek, you're going to be my best friend now, and I'm going to give you another chance. That's not what it means, because people still should pay consequences. And, And if someone has abused you, if someone has done worse, then absolutely they should pay consequences. But forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for you, because if you carry around that hatred, you carry around that anger, you carry around that feeling, it will change you. And then that person will win. That moment will be what defines you. And so Jesus, as he is about to die, as he has been beaten, as people that he was dying for are saying, he sucks, like we don't like him, get rid of him. As people are saying that about him, he says, Father, forgive them. His heart is for them. He gives them forgiveness. That doesn't mean that he was happy to be dying. It doesn't mean that, that he's like, oh, I'm so glad that they're throwing things at me. I'm so glad that this is happening. I'm so glad that I'm in pain. It doesn't mean that. It means I know why I'm doing this. And they don't right now, but they will. And so I hope that someday they get it. And in our world, in our society, uh, last week I talked just a little bit about politics and how it's so divisive and people are on one side or the other. And we see that all the time and it becomes the enemy is the enemy. And so like somebody that disagrees with you is the enemy. And that ends relationships. It ends friendships. It ends business relationships sometimes. And we see that. We feel that way because it's like, I'm never going to like that person. I'm never going to agree with that person. And it's okay to not agree with people. It's okay to not like people, but we are called to love them. We are called to pray for them. It doesn't mean we have to be their best friend. It doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything they say. It doesn't mean we have to do what they say. It means that we are called to love them. We are called to be a light. We are called to be salt. We are called to learn from this moment where Jesus is about to die, is about to give his life for these people who are taking his clothes and putting a crown of thorns and mocking him and beating him and hurting him and about to kill him. And he says, Father, forgive them. And his heart never changes. The hatred that other people feel did not touch him. And that is the lesson that he is showing even before he dies on the cross. That is what 
this moment is about. Now, most churches, and we talked about this last week, will be talking about the resurrection today, which is where our hope lies, where everything changes, where everything is amazing. But the reason I want to do it this way is so that you remember this isn't just a story. This is real life. This is actual people. And Jesus actually felt this pain. And so on today, which is a victory Sunday, on today where we remember that he came back, I want to also remember what he went through before he came back. I want to also remember the sacrifice that he made, not just physically, but with his heart, with his life, with his everything for us. And so I'm going to continue. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Uh, but the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we see the two criminals, and I believe that most people have heard this story before. And the first one says the same thing the crowd is saying. Like, hey, if you're really who you say you are, change this. Like, get down. And we talked last week about how the Pharisees expected, the disciples expected this warrior king who would show his power and beat his enemies down and, and lead the world that way because that's what we expect in leaders. That's what we expect in, in everything that we see. We expect that the strong survive because we define strength not by a person's heart, not by their soul, not by the way they treat others, but by their physical presence. And that's not how strength is defined because Jesus shows more strength in these moments than anyone else ever has. And so the first criminal is like, get down. Now Jesus could have. Jesus absolutely could have been like, you know what? This is not what is going to happen. And I'm going to show these people what I have before I die. I'm going to show these people uh, the power of God. And he could have made the nails leave his hands. He could have jumped down off the cross and he could have taken over the world right then. But he didn't because he had a plan, because he loved more than the other, the other people hated, because his love was stronger, because his strength was real. And so he kind of ignores this criminal. The criminal just wants to call out, and he was probably kind of taking a gambit, like, hey, maybe he is going to let me down now. Like, maybe this will show him. But the other criminal, and we don't know what they did, something bad enough to be crucified for. We don't know what they did. But the second person, the second criminal, who even the, the, the people that, that, that talk about them define them as criminals, is a person. And he looks at Jesus and he says, hey, let him go. He, he's wrong. I know that you're innocent. Like, you didn't do anything. And we don't know how much he'd heard Jesus before. We don't know what he'd known before this moment. We don't know how he was raised. We don't even know his name. But... He saw Jesus, because when you see Jesus' power, when you see who he is, you have to see who he is. Now, people ignore it. People run away from it. People stubbornly cling to their old ideas. But he saw Jesus, and he allowed it to change him, even in his death, even in his dying moments. And Jesus said, you're going to be okay. Uh, one of the things that we, we hear sometimes from some church people around the world throughout history, uh, there's a, a little grumbling when someone has a, a deathbed conversion or when someone in prison who has done awful things becomes a Christian. You'll see that person sometimes and from time to time, all of us have this feeling momentarily, but we hopefully move on from it. But you see this person and you're like, yeah, are they really a Christian? Like, I know they say that, but look at what they did. Like, how could they change? Like, that's not fair. How could they go to heaven? And it's easy to feel that way because again, we turn everything into how does this affect me? Like, what is my life? Like, I work hard to, to do this. I work hard to be like this. I work hard to help people. I work hard to be a better person. How come they get to go? 
just because they, they said to Jesus, I love you. And so probably there were people that read this story, people that saw this moment and said, that's not fair. But that's not what it's about. It is not about how he came to Jesus. It's about the fact that he did see Jesus. It's not about how you live your life. It's about who you live it for. It's about who you are. It's about the relationship that you have with God, about the relationship that you build with him to build with others, to show them who Jesus is, to show them this moment, what paradise truly is. And so in his dying moments, as he's in tremendous pain from nails in his in his uh, wrists and in his feet, as he's in tremendous pain from the blood going down his face, from, from the back wounds, from the, the whip that had just happened, like as every time he, he would lean back against the cross, he'd feel that. One of the things we don't remember with crucifixion is you didn't die from the blood loss. You didn't die from the exposure. You died from suffocating because as he would hang there, you have to lift yourself up to breathe. And eventually you're too tired to do that and you just drop and you stop breathing. And so it's a painful death. And so as he's feeling all of that, he looks at this man who is aching for change, even though he's dying. He looks at this man and says, I love you. And even though everyone else is acting insane right now, I love them. And so because you see me, you will see me in heaven. And even if these people who are killing me will finally look and change, then they will too. But it's up to them. It's their choice. One more, or the rest of the scripture. By this time, it was about noon and darkness fell on the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with these words, he breathed his last. When we think about this moment, it is often followed with the resurrection shortly after because this is an uncomfortable moment. Because we understand that Jesus is fully God, and we understand that he is fully human, at least as much as we can, but we don't like to really think about the pain that he felt. We don't like to really focus on the death part of of this, but he actually died here. Like physically, he was beaten. Physically, he was hurt. Physically, he was bleeding. Physically, he was dying, and he died. And when that happened... He felt every bit of that pain, and yet he was never broken. And the people that follow him will never be broken. And in that moment when he died, our sins went with him. You see, the reason he's called a sacrifice and the reason he's called the lamb is because in the Old Testament times, like the way that that, that God began the, the religious experience, the way that he gave people faith was to pray you will have a priest sacrifice this animal and it will be uh, giving your sins to me. Now, there's a lot of different reasons that this happened. Uh, I obviously don't fully know the mind of God. No one can. But, but if you look throughout the rest of the world at that time, people were sacrificing virgins and they were sacrificing children and they were doing awful things to people. And God said, look, it is not time for you to have a savior right now because you wouldn't understand it. Because if Jesus had came right then to Abraham's family, to the people there, they would have been like, but the rest of the world is, is not doing this. Like, it's so hard to understand. And it wasn't that he's like, I'm going to wait. It's like, this is the plan. I'm going to lead you people step by step. Right now, it's about learning the rules. It's just like when a, a baby learns to walk, you don't just pull them out of the crib at two months and say, okay, walk and toss them over there. You shouldn't do that, at least. And... and, and It's about you have to first, you know, love them, raise them, feed them, all that stuff, but then help them learn how to crawl and then help them learn how to walk. And then from there, they learn how to run. And then from there, they learn how to drive and then they wreck your car and it sucks. But still, it's things like that that happen where they become an adult and wreck your own car on the interstate, which also sucks. But 
we, we have to allow them the time to grow. And so God, we are all his children. And so he allowed people, humanity, the time to grow, the time to learn. And it came first from learning the rules. It came first from, from sacrifice and from understanding that, which led to uh, Jesus dying on the cross, which, which changed things. It didn't change his plan because his plan was constant. His plan is perfect. His plan is never ending. His plan is for us. And it was planned, but it changed how we saw things. And so where once an actual lamb was sacrificed, now Jesus died and took the sins. And then it says the cloth uh, ripped down because in the Pharisees time, they would basically, you would basically go to one of them, whoever the, the priest was and tell them, you know, your sins, tell them what you needed. And then they would tie a rope to themselves, go behind the curtain and go to God. And, and if the person wasn't right with God, then they'd die sometimes. And that's what the rope was for. But it was like just somebody else had to pray for you behind the curtain. That's why the curtain was there. You couldn't go straight to God. You couldn't go straight to him. Uh, and, and when Jesus died, that ripped because symbolically it's like, hey, that's over now. You can go straight to Jesus. You can take this sacrifice that he has made so that you don't have to, that you don't have to let someone else live out your faith, that you don't have to let someone else live out your life. You don't have to let someone else pray for you, although it's wonderful to have people pray for you. You pray and ask for help, ask for forgiveness. You pray and build that relationship yourself. I mentioned that last week, that, that it is about love and it is about relationship. Uh, Jesus died on the cross, not, not just to sacrifice, although that was an important part, not just to take our sins, but to show us what he was willing to do for us, to show us what we are worth to him, to build that relationship so that we would see, hey, he lived as a human, understanding the temptations, understanding the relationships, understanding the things we go through. And then he died as a human for us. And then he came back and said, hey, I'm back. I beat death for you. I have victory for you. And so as I said, today is Easter, and Easter Sunday is an amazing day, and I wish that it were different. I wish that people were allowed to crowd into churches. I wish that things were, were as they were, but they're not. But that doesn't mean that they're worse. It just means that they're different. And so we still have that same Lord. We still have that same Savior. We still have that same victory. And so when he died, he died so that we wouldn't have to. Now, we're still going to die sometime in our lives, hopefully a long time from now. But... We will not have to face the, the fear that, that others had to have to face. We do not have to face the same things that he had to face. We will not have to carry those things because he carried them for us. Now, you still have to see him. And like the criminal, uh, you still have to look at him and say, please forgive me. You know, help me to be with you. It's not that he died for our sins so that we can all live our lives however we want and then, you know, we're good. We have to still make that choice. And he died so that we would be able to make that choice. He died to take our sins. He died to take our penalty. He died to take our death. And then he came back to show us that nothing can stop him, that nothing can stand against him. He came back to show us that we have a way forward, that we have a hope. And even though in this moment, most people that were standing around watching, and imagine that for a second, because these are actual people, and this actually happened. Uh, this is truly a, a, a terrible moment for the disciples, for Mary, for, for other people that knew and loved Jesus, for other people that just were human, to watch as he died, as this man who was innocent, as this man who was guiltless, which is even better, died. 
Imagine what that felt like. Because all of the disciples and everyone that had heard his message, they heard him say over and over again, I'll come back. But when you see the light go out of his eyes, when you see the storms, when you see the death, when you feel that life leave him, it had to lead to such tremendous sorrow, to doubt. We talked last week about doubt and how everyone feels it at some point. And I would imagine that a lot of people in the crowd did. And some of them were probably like, okay, he's going to come back now. Like, it's not going to be three days. He's going to come back now because I can't wait three days. And, and, and it had to hurt. And then we see Peter who had to feel that pain because he had just denied him three times and he knew that his Savior was dead. And in his heart, he felt like he'd lost. And yet this moment, which in most stories and most, most lives would have been the end. It was just the beginning. This moment is where our faith was born. The resurrection is where our faith arises, where our hope arises. But this moment is where we were truly at one with Jesus, where we truly were able to see how far he would go for us, where we were truly able to see the depths of his love, the depths of what he would do, the depths of his victory. And so even though it's kind of not a happy story this week, the fact that he did it for us was. And so we learn from this. That when he was facing tremendous pain, tremendous sorrow, tremendous disappointment, tremendous betrayal, when he was facing all of that, he didn't walk through ignoring people. He didn't walk through standing on a political side. He didn't walk through saying this and that. He said, I love you. And even the bad is not going to change that. Even the worst things that happen will not change how I treat you. And we have to take that. The world, uh, the secular world, when they see the church on TV, it's very rarely stuff like this. It's very rarely people talking about love. It's very rarely people saying this is how to live. Now, with all the live streams going on during, during the pandemic, during the quarantine, with all of that, it's a little different. But I'm talking about on the news. Usually when you see the church, the capital C church on the news, it's something like Westboro Baptist saying that God hates certain groups of people. It's something like a pastor who steals money from his congregation and buys a plane. It's something like that because that's what the news is, because the news thrives on, on negativity, because the news needs ratings, because that's what it's about. And, and so most people are predisposed to, if you say you're a Christian, to be like, you yeah, know, okay, so what do you actually do? Like, what do you do during the week? Like, so what do you do Monday through Saturday? Um, I know that, that in my life, I have had people who treat me differently once they find out I'm a pastor, once they find out I'm a Christian. And it's like, yeah, whatever. And, and that's how the world sees it. And so we can take that and be like, man, everybody else sucks but us. Let's just join our little club and let's forget them. Or we can see what Jesus did here and say, Man, it really sucks that everybody treats me differently. It really sucks that everybody thinks negatively of me. Uh, it really sucks this. It really sucks that. Or we could say, wait, do I do that about anybody? Do I treat anyone unfairly? Do I judge other people because they're different than me? Maybe I shouldn't do that. We can say, wow, so everybody seems like they're against us, like it's me against the world. But Jesus, when he was in that moment, instead of hunkering down and saying, I'm going to get vengeance, he said, I love you. Instead of saying these people are all worthless, he said these people are all worth everything. Instead of saying this is the end for all of you, he said this is going to be the beginning if you just look at me. Father, forgive them. And that is what we must do. Your life will be hard sometimes. Right now is probably really hard. I am sure that there are people that you know who have lost their jobs because 
they had to be laid off or furloughed through this quarantine, and that sucks. And I wish that I had a better solution for them. I, I know that there are phone numbers and there are websites and there are people who offer help, and I hope that you look for that. I know that, that if you call the church, someone will try to, to help you find that. I know we have a food pantry here that is amazing, and I love it, and it's one of my favorite things here. I know that different churches take donations and all of that, but it still sucks to lose your job, and it still sucks to, to be without work and, and whatever else is happening right now. And, and I can't tell you when it will be better. I, I can't. I wish that I could say, hey, if you change your life and you follow Jesus, it's going to be better right here. Like It's going to be bad for like a week and a half, maybe two, and then for the rest of your life, it's perfect. It's like being at Walmart all the time, which is a happy place for me. I realize that for you, that probably was a bad example. But it's like, it's like the best feeling that you can ever imagine. It's like the best thing in the world and nobody else is ever going to disagree with you and everybody's going to give you promotions and everybody's going to, to buy your food and everybody's going to say nice things about you. It's not going to happen. I would love to tell you that, but it's not because Jesus, who literally was perfect and never hurt anybody and never sinned and never did anything wrong, was hated. And so because of that, we will be hated. But we, as I said, we have two choices. We can take that hatred and we can give it right back. And we say, you think we're like this? I'm going to show you that we're like this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to judge you harder than you judge me, and I'm going to judge you first, and I'm going to judge you faster, and I'm going to hate you faster, and we can think that way. Or we can actually learn from what Jesus did here, where he's dying, literally dying, literally dying, where he's dying and said, this isn't about the pain. It's not about the death. It is about the value of everyone else. It is about the love that I am showing. It is about the sacrifice that I am making. And in that moment, we see who we really are. When we are down, when we are hurt, when we are alone, we see who we really are. You're going to have bad times. You're going to fail sometimes. You're going to yell at somebody that you wish you hadn't yelled at. You're going to do the wrong thing at some times. And you can live your life like that and saying, well, I'm going to sometimes, so I'm going to keep doing it. Or you can say, you know what? I want to go forward, and I want to change, and I want to feel that hope that I've been missing. I want to feel that, that life that I've been missing, and I'm going to accept not just Jesus' relationship, but I'm going to accept his way of life. I'm going to treat others as I'd want to be treated. I am going to turn the other cheek. I am going to be honest, truthful. I am going to, to do everything I can to be the best example of love, the best example of a relationship, the best example of good that I can be, and I'm going to be like Jesus, and it will not be easy. But I promise you it will be worth it. And I promise you that Jesus will always be with you because he died for you. And if he is willing to die for you, then he is absolutely willing to live with you. And, and so just trust him. And no matter how bad things get, seek help. Have people help you. Don't be afraid to ask for help. But also talk to him and do everything you can to in your worst times. Show others that it's not about that. It's about who you serve. That's all I got.